Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcashville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton. Well, what a joy to be together today. Thank you for joining us on the E-Church. It's amazing how the technology was being made ready for such an hour as this. I walked through the back earlier in the week and I looked at all the equipment, all the servers, and we never ever dreamed that one day would come that we would lean so heavily upon the technology to still have church. And if you know someone that does not have a smartphone or an iPad or a laptop or a computer and they sort of are feeling left out, make sure you let the church office know because we will mail them a CD or a DVD of the service that they're missing. We want to keep everyone connected. It's an important time for us to be strong in our faith. Take your Bible this Sunday morning and turn with me to the book of Psalms. And uh, I've read a lot of the Psalms this week. I've used a lot of them on our little uh, lesson from the house, Hope from the House. A lot of you said you enjoyed the little uh, devotionals we did out of the garden last year. And with the, uh, all of us being sheltered in place at the house, we sort of picked up on this hope from the house theme that we could uh, stay connected and bring a daily devotion. I hope you're enjoying them, and I encourage you, if you watch one, to share it and to pass it on to someone else. But this Sunday morning, while we're together, I want to talk to you out of the 91st Psalm in the Old Testament, Psalms 91. And here's the thought that's on my heart. Don't panic, dial 911. Don't panic, dial heavens 911. Terry Laughlin wrote, there are key Bible truths to live by when the world is facing a pandemic. Living by these truths will enable you to enjoy God's peace while those in this world panic. A friend of our church that grew up, here's a little girl, Sheila Alwine. She wrote in her blog, The Way of the World, How do you go to war against an enemy you cannot see? How can you battle something you don't know is there until it gets you? Our world is in a panic over a tiny microscopic virus that is making its way across continents, crossing national borders, oceans, and deserts without restraint. If we've watched any news or read a newspaper or listened to a radio while we've been driving around, you can tell that the whole world is in turmoil and everyone is being gripped by a fear factor that's almost unexplainable. But I want to read to you out of God's Word this morning, the inerrant, infallible Word of God. This is our foundation. This is our hope. This is the anchor that we have to have for the day and hour that we're living in. Look what God says in Psalms 91 and verse number 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, 
my God. In him will I trust. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the very first element of faith is to have trust. And you can't have faith without trust, and you can't have trust without faith. They are married together. Now look at this next verse, verse 3. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. There it is again. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Boy, isn't it something that we're hearing all these stories from 140 countries that have already been affected and how the terror has pierced the night. Nor by the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. I'm going to stop reading there at verse 6 for uh, just a moment, but think about how many times those few verses apply to the world that we're in today. We're just seeing unbelievable stories of pain and suffering and then the factors that are being brought to bear on how quickly this pestilence has invaded the world, how quickly it's taken off in every major country and even countries with medicine. I think Italy has more hospital beds and more doctors per capita than even the United States. But boy, have they suffered horribly uh, with the power of this virus. So what are we seeing worldwide? We're seeing not only are people that do not go to church in crisis, but we're seeing people that do go to church are in crisis. We literally could say Christians are in crisis, the world is in turmoil, and countries are in chaos, and the USA is in a state of confusion. Because you hear one doctor talk and one doctor says this is the treatment and another doctor talks and says this is the treatment. But you know what? If you step back from it, that's normal. Because uh, if I looked at a picture and you looked at a picture and I said, I want you to describe it. All of us would use different adjectives and different verbs and different ways of describing the same thing. Many times in law enforcement, when they go investigate a wreck and they'll have five witnesses to the wreck and all of them will have five different stories. The point I'm making today is the one that's in charge, the anchor pin of our sanity and of our society is the Lord God Almighty. And men will have opinions and men will have different opinions on how to solve the problem. But we have to do due diligence in all that we know and all that we understand as a family, and as people of faith. Some Christians almost feel guilty for having normal human emotions. I wrote down several questions that have been presented to me over the last few hours because they've expressed concern for the health and the safety of their families. And one person said this statement to me, I'm not doubting God at all, Preacher Ralph. I'm not doubting God, but I'm worried. Well, that's an, honest, that's an honest observation. They're not doubting God, but they are worried. Here's another one I wrote down. I'm not living in fear, preacher. I, pastor, I know God's there, but I am nervous. I don't know what to do. Well, there's a factor in that. What do we do? How do we protect our families? How do we keep going to work? 
and we're all doing the basics. We're washing our hands. And if we go out and we go shopping or buy something, we're pulling out a pair of gloves and saying, I'll put them on. And then before you get in your car, you're even washing your gloves before you take your gloves off because you don't want to transmit a bug. Well, guess what? People are being honest. Here's another one I wrote down. I'm afraid, Pastor. I'm not afraid for me, but I'm afraid for my family. I'm afraid for my children. What will they have to face in the next few weeks? So there's a lot of uncertainty. And that's why today I want you to know, as a Christian, it doesn't give you or me an insulation or an isolation from the fact that we're living in the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. My home is in heaven, but I'm living today right here on planet Earth. And so I'm not isolated from the reality of the world. I can't go into a, a fantasy bubble and say, well, I'm a Bible believer and nothing of this world is going to bother me. That's not reality. And that's not intellectually honest either. And so we need to be a people of faith that are informed and are rooted and grounded in what we believe. Now, if you go back through history and you study history, some Christians have gone through very, very difficult days. I'm sure that if I'd been a martyr in Scotland, if I'd been a martyr in Europe or during the Spanish Inquisition, I would have thought I was in the Great Tribulation. I would have thought, man, the world's coming to an end. Uh, so you need to remember, we're not the first people to go through a difficult time. And that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Our heart belongs to Jesus. Our body still may be here, but our heart belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in that fact, then I'm going to be able to utilize the Word of God and my faith and you think about all across America today and this past week, we've witnessed people dialing 911. And we've heard all kinds of reports. People have dialed 911 because they couldn't find supplies. And they've called 911 because they couldn't find bottled water. Or they didn't know where the nearest center was to have a, a, a swab for the virus. And so those are calls that are coming into 911 centers that are different. But on a normal day, a 911 operator will answer and they'll say, this is 911, what is your emergency? Do you need medical or EMS, we would call it? Do you need fire or do you need police? And why are they asking those questions? Sometimes when you hear them replayed, people are screaming, help me, help me, help me. But the EMS operator, or the 911 operator saying, what do you need? Where are you and what do you need? Where are you and what do you need? And listen to me today. As your pastor, I want you to listen to me today and understand if a 911 operator in your county wants to know where you are and what you need, how much more do we need to understand? We need to dial heaven's 911 and we need to talk to God and we need to tell God where we are, what our fears are, what our anxieties are, and what we need. The power of prayer is available for the family of faith. The power of prayer is available for you as an individual. And you say, but Pastor Ralph, we're not in the building today. We're not in the church. 
Listen, the church is you. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. Jesus is our head. He is in heaven. And we need to understand today that we are not alone. You that are Bible believers, you that have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for your soul salvation, Jesus promised never to leave you and never ever to forsake you. And listen to me. If you're watching today and you're listening in on the radio and you're watching on the internet or the television and you're searching and you're really intellectually being honest with yourself, you don't know. Is God real? Is heaven real? Is there really a Jesus Christ? Is Christianity the way? Or maybe I should be a Hindu. Or maybe I should be a Buddhist. You know, there's people that have honest questions. They really are searching. Not everyone grew up in a Christian home. Not everyone had a mother or a granddaddy that prayed for them. Do you understand that? There are people watching today, searching, looking, honestly saying, what is real? Well, I want you to know if you want to know a genuine, honest answer today. Out of all the religions in the world, there's only one religion where the founder, the one that started that religion, is live and well today. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I just left Jerusalem a few days ago, and once again, I walked down those little stone steps, and there was that little empty tomb, and the sign on the door declared, He is not here. He's alive, and He's alive forevermore. Out of all the religions in the world, out of all the places you can visit, out of all the shrines that you can go to, out of all the memorials and all the tombs that you you can visit. When you get there, you're going to find the bones and the remains of a founder. If you go to Buddha's grave, you're going to find Buddha bones. But if you go to the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to find an empty tomb. He's alive and well for this day and for this generation to know and to believe. And he understands if you're searching. It doesn't make him mad. It doesn't upset him when you're honest and you say, I don't know what's real, but I want to know what's real. And if you really want to know what's real, then you've got to begin with a religion where the founder's alive and well. He's the only one that can hear your petition. And what did he say? What did he say to those that are searching? What did he say to those that are confused and wanting to know if God's real, if religion's real, if faith is real, if heaven's real? Is it pay off to go to church? What does he say to all of those people today? He says, come unto me and I will give you rest in a world that can find no rest today. He said, I will provide rest for you. What did he say? He said in John three sixteen. He said, if you'll believe upon me, I will save you and I will give you soul-saving salvation. You can have eternity and know that your sins have been forgiven and that you'll live with him forever and forever. Listen to me this morning, church. To worry, to be concerned is natural. That's not unnatural. It's a normal human thought. For you to be anxious when the stock market goes down and you see your, your uh, retirement portfolio go down 10,000 points in a week. 
you would be foolish if you were not concerned. You would say, my, what are we going to do? And, and, and if you would voice to your friend or a loved one and say, you know what? I don't want to die from a superbug from China. That would be normal. That would be natural. We don't know anything about it. And for you not to want your children to be robbed of school, you think of the high school seniors. They've worked 12 years. There's no graduation this year. You think of the students in college and, and those in the university, and there's not going to be a graduation for them this year because they can't assemble together. You think of the baseball teams, the basketball teams. You think about March Madness and all the teams. We're looking forward to the fun, the fellowship, and the competition between all of our schools. And think about the family gatherings. I was supposed to preach a, a wedding, conduct a wedding down in Birmingham, Alabama at Sanford University for one of my nieces. And, and you know what? They've had to call it off. The university's closed. They've had to move it to another date. And family reunions and the time of getting together, birthdays and baby dedications, all of that is put on hold. And, and think about the joy of singing. Do you realize all across America, all of our quartets, have parked their buses? Do you realize the music has stopped? No one's traveling, singing. All the evangelists are back home. Think about that. We've never seen a day like this in America. We've never seen that there's no encouragement going out to the body of Christ. There's no gospel concert. There's no family reunion. There's no jubilee. There's no revival. There's no tent meeting. All of that's changed in a matter of a few days. And, you, and what about one of the greatest joys, Brother Doug, that we have here at church is that have that big family choir. But you know what? I bet there's a lot of pe people watching today, they'd give a dollar and a donut if they could just walk into Trinity Baptist Church and get up here and sing in the family choir. And a lot of you that have never sung in the family choir would say, you know what? If I ever get back to church, I'm going to praise God and I'm going to lift my voice and say, I want to take my place of rejoicing and celebration, ladies and gentlemen. The fear of the unknown is normal. It's natural. What about my health? What am I to do? How am I going to keep my family fed? How will I keep my family safe? Will I be one of those that are furloughed from their job or laid off from work? How are we going to pay our bills? How will we keep the church ministries going? How will we keep the radio, the television, the internet all the outreaches. How's all that going to continue? Why? Why, God? Why would you allow this to come on our country? But you know, it's not just America today. It's 140 nations around the world. You see, God's not just talking to the USA. God's talking to the world, the entire world that has rejected Him. And listen, no one today, more than the people in America, have had more light and more gospel and more opportunities. And now God's sort of sat us down, put us in a time out that we can think about Him. And I want to ask you today, as you begin to go inside your own heart and mind, and you begin to say, what can I do? And the public maybe is dialing 911, but a person of faith, the person that loves Jesus, the person that's going to serve Jesus as long as they live, 
Well, I need you to go to the Word of God and I need you to dial heaven's EOC. And I need you to dial Psalms 91 verse 1, 911. And that's the emergency operation center of heaven. Amen? That's heaven's EOC. And when you get into 911, then you're releasing all the benefits and the power that's sitting there in the warehouse of God, right there in the home station, that you can begin to say, God, I have this fear, I've got this anxiety, I've got this worry, and God's saying, all right, I'm on the line now. Just bring it right on over here to me. Cast all your care upon me because I care for you. Let me read it to you one more time. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Do you know that phrase, Most High, in the Hebrew, Elon? It, 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 this is what it means in the Hebrew. It means he cannot be compared to anyone. Most high. Who are you going to compare him to? What you, what you going to compare him to? He cannot be compared to anyone. Why? He's the most high. You can't get higher than the most high. You say, well, I'm going to go up the ladder to someone that's got more power. There's no more people up the ladder. He's the top. That's what the Word of God's saying. He cannot be compared to anyone. Then that same Hebrew phrase says, He is above all things. He's above all things. So He's above every circumstance, every situation. And then not only that, think of this. He owns and is ruler over everything. He owns and is ruler over everything. So that's what most high means. And God said, I can call upon him. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. So I'm going to be dwelling with the one that is the ruler over everything. And that means everything. That means the things that are seen and the things that are unseen. That's everything. And then notice he doesn't stop there. He said, and under the shadow of the what? Almighty. And that Almighty Shaddai. And that's the Hebrew word. And it gives us an awareness of God being all-powerful, all-sufficient, a sovereign ruler. And I like this phrase. Who is present all the time? People get exhausted during times of national emergency. I've, I've been trying to pray extra, and I know that you have for our doctors, our nurses, our ER physicians, those that are oh, taking care of us on EMS and going to the house and picking people up. And you think of those that are setting up emergency hospitals and they get tired physically. One of the doctors the other day they interviewed, he said he'd been working 20 hours a day trying to take care of the sick. They're exhausted. And, and you know what the Word of God's saying? God's saying He's present all the time. I get tired, and somewhere along the way, I finally have to say, you know what, fellas? I'm going to lay down for a little while. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to go to sleep. And one of you fellas pick up the phone. You take care of the next family. But I'm going to tell you something today. There's never been an hour when I've called on God. And God said, I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm not in the office this afternoon. I'm not available today. He is present all the time. 
And he wants you to have that comfort today. He wants you to be encouraged today with the dramatic and powerful truth that he doesn't have to take a nap. He doesn't have to go rest. He doesn't have to go get a meal or a cup of coffee to go keep going. He's available night and day. No matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're facing, what side of the world you're on, our God's available. And during a health crisis, we can call heaven's 911. We can call Psalms 91 verse 1. And, and look at verse number 2 with me. It says in verse number 2, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. I'm going to talk about Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to say of the Lord. What am I going to tell people? He's my refuge. He's my refuge. And, and, and look at verse 3. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. From the noisome pestilence. Um, there's a great word study on that word pestilence. And if you do, uh, uh, you pick up some of the books like the complete word study of the Old Testament and you look up that word pestilence, here's what you're going to find out. That word pestilence has two or three meanings. Number one, it, pestilence means a dreaded disease. Number two, that word pestilence means an epidemic, an epidemic. And number three, the third meaning I thought was fascinating. It means pestilence, means a pandemic occurrence of sickness that has caused a lot of deaths. Pestilence. Is that appropriate for today? Is that appropriate for the hour that we're living in? A sickness that has caused a lot of deaths and, and a lot of nations. And guess what? God knew about that 4,000 years ago. God knew about today before we ever got here. God loaded up 911 call center before we ever got out of the bed this morning. God had full staff, full facilities. Everybody's already, everybody's waiting. All the angels are standing by. All the power of God and all the authority of God and all the provision of God and all the comfort of God and all the love of God and all the mercy of God. It's all available today. God has already provided for me and for you, even in the time of pestilence. This is not the first crisis for America. This is not the first crisis for our nation. Every generation faces a testing and a trial. This is going to be our testing. My dad's generation, my grandfather's generation, that was what? It was the Great Depression. It was World War I. And then it moved into World War II. And then the Korean War. And then the Vietnam War. Every generation has been tested by politics and circumstances. And sometimes, think of America if you walk back through the history from the time of the War of Independence all the way up to the Civil War, you think it's bad today. What about families that were divided and they were not only going through pain and suffering and amputating of limbs because there was no modern medicine, but they were families shooting other members of the family in a civil war. And then the, the unbelievable death toll of World War I and the Great Depression when the markets fell and it was an unbelievable uh, unemployment, over 20% of the population of our nation didn't have a job. And then the World War II and to see the world on fire. You think about all of that. 
You know what? In today's generation, we've been blessed. You think about that. If you're, a, if you're one of the baby boomers, why well, we've had it made. Our parents, they cut a big trail for us. Our grandparents, they did a great job. But think about this. Think about the time of the Black Plague on, the, on planet Earth. Think about Ebola in Africa. You think about the pandemics that have happened around the world. SARS and other viruses. They've come. Swine flu. Uh, Spanish flu. They've come. They've gone. They've come. They've gone. And people have lived through those things. But what God is helping us to understand in America today, this is the generation that's going to be tested. How our metal will be tested and how our faith will be tested. And there are many events that are coming along in life's journey, but we've never seen anything more powerful and more important than what we're walking through today. And you know what we can do today? We can look at each other and say, you know what? Now it's our turn. It's our turn to live our faith. It's our turn to be salt and light. In a crisis, what better place to be than resting in God's hands? Can you think of a better place to be than in the hands of a holy God? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, living in the shelter of the Most High, resting in the shadow of the Almighty. You know what today? Uh, disease may disrupt daily life and it may lead to the death of many people, but we can have peace in the midst of the storm. People who don't go to church and people who do go to church. They both get sick and some people may even die. But our peace and our sanity is in the fact that God is sovereign. And God is not in a panic and God is not in chaos. God wants you to be comforted through the power of His Word. Your personal peace and your personal comfort is in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about these things you believe. You believe Jesus is the Son of God and He is the Savior and the coming Messiah. You believe that the Bible is the Word of God. You believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you believe that He's coming back to earth for the ones that have been faithful and have walked in the light of God's holy Word. You see... That's how he becomes my refuge. That's how I know that he's a living Lord. A living Lord. And, and you know that word refuge? That's the word Yahweh. It reveals God's nature in the highest and fullest sense. And that word refuge means focusing on the fact of the absolute faithfulness of God to fulfill his promise. When that says refuge, that means God said, I said it. If I said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep my word. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be upset. I will take care of you. And then what about that phrase, he is my fortress? That word fortress is Elohim. It reveals to us God's intensity in revealing his power, his preservation, and his preparation. You see, God didn't go, oops, and well, here's an earth, and oops, and here's a man, and here's a woman, and oops, there's your family. God doesn't operate that way. God takes care of you, and God takes care of me, and God takes care of our families, 
and God's going to take care of you. No matter where you are watching this television program or listening in on the radio or watching on the internet, this Elohim, this fortress is God's intensity. It's when God brings together His power, when God assimilates His ability, when God brings His creative power, all that's available, all that God is, the essence of God, the character of God, and He brings it all together in your behalf and in my behalf. Psalms 91 verse 1, I'm dialing 911 God, and God said, I'll bring my power. I'll bring that all to you. I'll bring my preservation, the power that I have to preserve you and to keep you and to preserve my word and to keep my word. And then he said, I'll bring my preparation. You say, what kind of preparation? Well, you see, God was in today before we got here. And God will be in tomorrow before you get there. And he will take care of you. God is the one to look, uh, that when we look to see that we can live through a pandemic. He's the one to look to that will take care of us and provide for us. God rules over all. And He is all I need. What does He say in the book of James? James chapter 1, verse 5. You say, well, Pastor, I'm concerned. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do all this. James 1, 5, He said, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Have you prayed for God to give you wisdom during this crisis? Have you prayed for God to help you talk to your family? You know, this is a great time to talk to our relatives about their faith. Are they going to serve the Lord? As bad as all this is, I mean, God could send us an awakening. God could get us to where we really want Him. And there could be a spiritual movement. Christians who trust in God, we are encouraged in times like this to live close to God. He dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That word dwell, yasa, in Hebrew, it means to sit or to inhabit. To sit or to inhabit in the shelter of the Most High. But there's a third meaning in that. I, I about lost it when I came through there because that third meaning says to endure or to stay in the shelter of the Most High. God said, you're going to have to distribute your own determination. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. You say, well, well, my wife's sick, or you may be sick, or I may be sick. We cannot go on our emotions, and we cannot go on our feelings. He said, for you to endure and to stay in the shelter of the Most High. This is not the time to go shopping for a new God. This is not the time to go find another plastic idol at the gift store and say, I'm going to try this out. This is not the time to go up to Mount Mitchell and dig up a rock and begin to shape it into some kind of image and to paint some face on it and say, this is what I'm going to believe in, the power of Mother Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, in this hour, in this day, this is the time to endure and to sit in the presence of the Most High God. This is the day to develop your personal relationship. This is the day to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. This is the day to anchor your prayer life. This is the day to declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll not be intimidated by the things of this world or the heartache of this world. Listen, to have a relationship with God 
I've got to be faithful. People say, well, I'm a church member. I pay my tithes. I go to church. Listen, it's one thing to date Jesus on Sunday and to be married to the world and the devil's crew Monday through Saturday. It's one thing to walk into the building with a smile and to sing the songs and then get in your car on the drive home and turn on the hip-hop or the rap music filled with profanity and vulgarity and date the world, dating Jesus on Sunday and married to the world on Monday. This is a time of separation. Wheat from tares. We're getting ready. And what God's trying to encourage you that are Bible believers is to be faithful. And faithful is the key to the fortress. There's the fortress of God. I want to get in there. I want to dwell in there. Well, you want to unlock the door to get in the fortress? Faithful. That's the key. That unlocks the door. And if I'll be faithful, God said, come on in. And I'll put you in the fortress. I'll hang around you. I'll cover you. I'll shelter you. In the shadow of my wings, you'll abide. Fortress. I need to pray for salvation. Some of you need to pray for restoration. And those of you that are saved and serving God, you need to pray for discipleship like never before. God, what do you want me to learn out of this quiet time? What do you want me to understand in my thinking about my walk of faith or the Word of God? What do you want my prayer life to become? How do you want me to serve during these difficult days? Discipleship is growing close to Him. I read a story a few years ago about one of the big forest fires out west and how that quickly they can turn, the wind can pick them up, and they can go 70 and 80 miles an hour up the side of a mountain. And there's been tragedy before when that's happened, even overtake the fire crews. And they said they were going on one of these mountains that had had a flash fire and in a matter of a few seconds, minutes, the whole side of the mountain was burned. And the fire crew came back to put out the embers. And they'll turn over the logs and they'll make sure that there's nothing still glowing there that can reignite because many times when it burns through like that, it's just the top layer of the forest that burns, the leaves, the pine needles, but there's still material underneath for another fire. And they said that they saw one of the uh, logs there and on the end the embers were still glowing and said the fireman went down with his boot and he kicked it to turn it over to, to put out it out and part of the log he realized was a bird it was a wood hen and when he did that she had been burned so quickly she was petrified her wings and he said when he turned it over he took his fire axe and touched her and she fell over and underneath was four chicks the fire was coming mama said come here she covered them she sheltered them oh the world's on fire today yeah People are afraid. Governments are declaring. They don't know what to do. And you know what God's doing to the church? Come unto me. Let me cover you in the shelter. I'll keep you from the fire. I'll keep you from the fear. And I'll keep you from the fright 
of this day and hour. He said, are you having a tough day? Just dial heavens, 911. Dial in, call him. He said, I'm here for you. I never go off duty. I'm available. The promises of his word. I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to be strengthened today. I want you to have help and hope. And I want you to walk out of the church service today with a smile on your face and joy in your heart. And if you're watching today and you're one of those searching that I mentioned about a moment ago, I want this to be the day of your salvation. Pastor Nathan is getting ready to come and he's going to pray over you and he's going to offer you the plan of salvation that you can come. If you're sick today, you're shut in, you're in your house, you can't get out, then I want you to know that there's help for you. That people in church be praying. You call the number on your screen. You call our church number. You email us. You go to the website. And every day we're putting up prayer help on ralphsextonministries.com, ralphsexton.com, trinitybaptist.com. And you can go. All these websites are all connected together that we can give you daily devotionals, hope from the house for those of faith and those today that may need faith. We can pray with you for your saving grace. And then for Christians, it's a time for us to recommit ourselves to the cause of Christ. Pastor Nathan, you come, would you? One of the greatest decisions you can make today is to give your life to Christ. And we want to make that invitation possible. If God has spoke to your heart, God, through the preaching of the word, uh, we invite you to pray this prayer. Uh, say this quietly in your heart or out loud and um, just repeat these words after me. This prayer, the words do not save you, but it's what you mean in your heart as you speak to God. And uh, we would invite you to pray this prayer. Dear God, thank you for loving me. God, I realize that I'm a sinner. Because of my sin, I need a savior. And God, today I place my trust in the cross of Jesus Christ. God, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And God, you resurrected your own body in the power of your name. God, today I place my trust in you for salvation. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Help me to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we celebrate with you. We rejoice with you. And we would love to know, would you call the church office? Would you send us an email? And uh, we'd love to uh, connect with you and continue to help you disciple as you grow in your relationship with Christ. Thank you for being a part of our online experience here at Trinity Baptist Church. And we pray that you stay encouraged and that you stay in God's word in this time that we're living in. Thank you for being a part. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation, but it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian church. That's God. That's personal. That's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when he speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have him.
You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed. That couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror. The guilt, the problems, God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how is that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.